At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Wednesday, July 19th on the Just Baseball Show. That's Arm Leighton and I'm Peter Apple. And today is the mailbag. We have so many great questions that you left for us on Instagram at Just Baseball Show and on our Twitter at Just BB underscore media. And my favorite is the last question. The all disappointment team. We're going to cover a lot of trade deadline stuff, a lot of mock trades a lot of underrated players at the deadlines we got a loaded episode and it is brought to you by the king of sportsbooks and that is bet mgm sign up and deposit into your newly created account using promo code just baseball download the bet mgm sports app on ios or android or visit betmgm.com place your first bet offer and receive up to one thousand dollars back in bonus bets if it loses if the bet does lose your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled gambling problem call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and must be 21 or older arm jack and i we spent the first 10 minutes i think of yesterday's episode talking about i think you should leave we talked about hiking i just kind of want to just get straight into the baseball stuff do you have anything to add before we get straight into the mailbag because i am excited 
No, no, I'm definitely definitely ready to get straight into baseball. I do love our our asides off the top, but uh, I got nothing ready for you, especially in trade deadline season. I like think like my regular life kind of goes to the wayside, so I don't have any human things to talk about. But uh, no, just great questions. Really pumped to to break it down. Appreciate everybody always participating in this thing. And uh, you know, if we didn't get to yours this time, we'll, we'll we'll try to get to it next time. It's officially trade deadline season. The trade deadline is on August 1st, so enough clowning around. No more intros where we talk about nothing. It is time to get straight into the mailbag. And the first question, who is the most underrated player in baseball? That was asked by Josh underscore Betty underscore eight on Instagram. Again, we have a lot of trade deadline stuff, a lot of underrated players that could be on the move, but I don't think we've truly answered who the most underrated player in Major League Baseball is. Now, you could pick someone who's having an underrated season right now, but I didn't go that route, right? Like, I was thinking, yeah, Luke Rayleigh is having a great start to the season, but we need to see more before we call him the most underrated player in Major League Baseball. So who's your pick? So for me, and this is a guy that uh, it's just become one of my favorite players, honestly, is, is Hassan Kim. I think when you look at what Hassan Kim does, and I think he's established himself as a good player, but I don't think people appreciate how darn good he is. I think there's a, there's a few reasons why. One, he's on a star-studded team where you know you're just not paying attention to Hassan Kim when he's surrounded by Tatis, Machado, Bogarts, you know, and all all, all the guys there. But on top of that, like his game is a type of game that I think just runs underappreciated. But 116 WRC plus 11 home runs, 17 stolen bases, a 3.2 F4, by the way, which is, you know, among the top 20 in, uh, in position players. And it's not just the, the cumulative stats there. It's kind of how he's doing it. This is a guy that's played 62 games at second, 18 games at third, 13 games at short. And he has been a great defender at every single spot. I mean, 12 defensive runs saved at second base, two defensive runs saved at third, Four defensive runs saved at shortstop. No matter where you stick this guy, he is playing either really good or plus defense at that spot. Like guys like this don't grow on trees. And, you know, he might not be considered like an all-star level player, but I think he's as valuable as an all-star. I really do. I think it's a great pick. I wrote down Hus Young Kim and you took it. So I'm going with my second answer because I think Hus Young Kim is the most underrated player in Major League Baseball. I really do. It's yeah. year after year now. Like, it's so consistent, and even when he's not hitting, he's providing such incredible defensive value, like you said, but he's been hitting. Yeah. And it's in that lineup, so that's a great pick for most underrated. I'm going to the American League because I picked one for the National League, one for the American League. National League, again, Haseon Kim of the Padres. But my American League player, I'm an AL East guy, right? I'm a Yankee fan, so I feel like I'm watching this guy consistently, and I also have the fut- a future on the Rays. And they're a team that I'm always watching. So maybe I'm a little bit biased here. But I think Yandy Diaz of the Rays deserves to be in in the best hitters in baseball type conversation. And I know that sounds drastic. And that's why he is the most underrated player in baseball. Since 2022, because he's been doing this, he has more walks than strikeouts. A 13% K rate, or excuse me, 13% walk rate. 12.7% 12.7% K rate. He's hitting over 300 in that span since the beginning of last year with a 306 batting average and a 153 WRC plus, meaning he is 53% better than the league average hitter. 
So where would that put him since 2022? Seventh in all of baseball, right yeah. in between Mookie Betts and <laughs> Freddie Freeman. Now, the yeah. reason why I think Haseon Kim is a little bit more underrated is because of the plus value on defense. Haseon Kim is yeah. nowhere near the hitter that Yandy Diaz is. But think about it. When anyone's listing best hitters in baseball, I've never heard a list where Yandy Diaz is even close. And yeah. this year, he's hitting 322, 406 on base, 512 slug, 13 bombs, right? This was a guy last year who only had nine home runs, but he was a guy who's consistently hitting the living piss out of the ball. 49% hard hit rate last year. And where does that place him? Among the top 15 in Major League Baseball. And what the Rays did is like, hey, if you just lift the ball a little bit more, you will truly be one of the best hitters in baseball. And that's what he is this year. He's got a WRC plus over 160, 162 to be exact, number three in all of baseball while continually not striking out at all, walking a ton, and he's the best hitter on the race. We yeah. talk about Wander Franco. We talk about Randy Rosarina. But truly the best hitter on this team is Yandy Diaz on one of the best offenses. Yandy Diaz needs to be among the names that we talk about when we're talking about best hitters in baseball. I mean, anyone with a three, four, five slash line, dude, is is going to be one of the best hitters in baseball. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where, like, if this was the – and I'm glad you went back to the beginning of 2022 because if he was – just doing this now through 79 games, like you got my attention hundred percent, but I'm not calling you underrated yet because it's not enough body of work. But now we're talking about a sample of well over 200 games where he's been really good. And that's not even mentioning that he was good in spurts before that was hurt a little bit, never played like a full, full season. Then in 2021 played 134 games and, and put up an above average stat line. And then it was, you know, 2022 where he really broke out. And then I feel like this year, he's kind of put it all together to your point. He's hitting for more power, but he hasn't compromised that like 400 on base guy. 80 point jump almost or, or 90 point jump in his uh, in his slugging percentage while not seeing the, the on base or batting average dip. And in fact, both of those figures went up too. like that's not easy to do. Uh, I'm with you. I, I, I think this is a really good answer. I think part of the reason why he flies under the radar as well is. Not only is he not incredibly valuable defensively, he kind of gets stashed at first DH or like third if you have to. Yeah. And those guys just seem to always get overlooked. But at the end of the day, man, every team in baseball would kill for a hitter like this. And, and the fact that he put up four F4 last year and is probably going to beat that this year, like says a lot about what he can do with the bat because he's not giving you much else. I had to take two. He might be the best leadoff hitter in the game. Name another leadoff guy with a three-four-five slash line. Would it? Is, I don't even know. Is Acuna? Acuna is not really hitting leadoff anymore. Oh yeah, so. yeah. Acuna Acuna does hit leadoff for the Braves. Okay. I take that back. I take it back, Braves fans. I take it back. I'm sorry. Maybe in the American League, outside of the perennial NL MVP in the National League, give me a better leadoff hitter. He's right? up there. He's definitely up there. Oh my god, I'm looking at Acuna right now. <laughs> he has a five point so two. Yeah, he's, he's, he's hit leadoff every single, uh, pretty much every yeah. single game. He's three thirty three, four fourteen, five ninety four. <laughs> That's crazy. But to, to your point, Yandy Diaz is not that far off from that, which is nuts. Like he's not that far off from that in terms of just the slash line. 
So the next question of the mailbag, who are the top relievers you expect to be moved at the deadline? And what will the returns look like? Asked by Mike NSN on Twitter. So the returns are tough, right? Because we can look back on previous trades, right? I remember when Scott Efros was traded with five years of control, right? For Hayden Wesneski, who was a top pitching prospect, top 100 guy. Hasn't exactly clicked for the Chicago Cubs yet, but again, really young pitcher. But a lot of these reliever trades are completely different, right? If we remember the Josh Hader type deal. Were there, who is like the best reliever that you see bo- being moved at the deadline, right? Because the role this Chapman was just traded for yeah. Cole Reagans, right? And Cole Reagans, who's now on the Royals, is you know a young pitcher who has some upside. But it's kind of dependent on contract length. And it's kind of dependent on how desperate the team is. So it's really tough to garner a return yeah. on these relievers. Especially especially when they don't have a ton of control. Like it was Cole Reagans and then uh, uh, flyer prospect Ronnie Cabrera, who like I'm sure some lower level scout was like, just take a flyer on this guy. And like sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. But like that's usually what you're looking at for the rental relievers is like, a quadruple a arm and a flyer uh but to your point when you trade a reliever with control like efros you can get something pretty damn good and, and i think if we're looking at it through the lens of like who the best reliever and the most valuable reliever would be it's got to be someone that's pitching really well and, and has those years of control i don't think bednar gets moved just because i think the pirates feel like they're close enough and he's got multiple years of control but how about like a Gregory Santos of the White Sox? I know he's young, but he's a reliever. At the end of the day, like this could be an opportunity to kind of cash in. Historically, this guy, you know, hasn't looked like the most dominant arm in the world. Like he was kind of fighting for innings last year with the Giants, barely, barely pitched up there. And it's been lights out for the White Sox this year. The White Sox have said they don't want to trade Dylan Cease. They don't want to trade, you know, some of their star players. Well, you got to trade something other than a rental if you want to have an impactful return here. And, you know, Santos is similar to Efros. It's like five years of control. The White Sox could get a, a pretty good haul if there's a team that's really buying what Gregory Santos has done this year, which is 42 appearances, a 266 ERA. All of the underlying stats are spectacular. Um, and the command looks great, which was always, you know, something that was good for him in the minors, but he struggled with in the big league. So I could see Gregory Santos being one of the, more valuable pieces potentially moved if the White Sox want to kind of cash in on a reliever here. I don't see why you'd keep them, even with all of the years of control. Like, I feel like there's a lot of other ways that they can go about it, especially with how much they've invested into the back end with Joe Kelly and Liam Hendricks and those guys, like cash in on some of those other guys in the bullpen. So I have a couple of names of guys who I do think are going to get traded. And then I have a couple of galaxy brain relievers that probably won't get traded, but it's fun to talk about. And I don't think it's outlandish. So a couple of the relievers that I ID'd, I'm going to keep just shoving Justin Lawrence's name down the throats of people because I really do think that he's the next Adam Ottavino. He's a guy with a 2.74 ERA in Coors Field. I think he has one of the nastiest sliders in Major League Baseball. He kind of reminds me of not only Adam Ottavino, but a Jason Adam with Tampa Bay with just a sweeper from hell. I think Jason yeah. Foley of the Detroit Tigers is an excellent candidate to get moved. 239 ERA, 296 Sierra, which is skill interactive ERA, which is a really good ERA estimator. 
23% K rate, but he's a guy who just keeps the ball on the ground. Really good in high leverage situations, especially if you need a ground ball. He's one of the better ones in the game. Mark Leiter Jr. of the Cubs, I think, I mean, at this point, striking out 34% of hitters with a 2.67 Sierra and a 3.49 ERA. And then another White Sox. Um, I think you mentioned him, Kenyon Middleton, right? 3.00 yep. ERA, 3.00 Sierra with a 31.4% um, strikeout rate. So those are guys that are probably the best on the market that will be dealt. But I got two names for you. All right. Could Emmanuel Class A be dealt from the Guardians? He's 25 years old. He's one of the best relievers in baseball, but he's been faltering a little bit this season. The Guardians say they're going to sell, and what the Guardians do have is pitching, right? They continue to pull up relievers. They have like nine of them back there. And at this point, Eniel De Los Santos could probably close out games. Trevor Steffen has had his blowups, but he's still a good reliever, right? Nick Sandlin is solid. Eli Morgan is solid. Bringing up guys like Tim Heron. Now, I know Guardians fans have been upset with the bullpen, and I have two being on the wrong side of some Guardians money line bets where they blow it. But at the end of the day, I think Guardians fans and I agree that they have a ton of relievers and that relievers are expendable, right? So everyone's talking about Shane Bieber. Aaron Savali is a guy who could get moved. Is Emmanuel Class A a name to just be on the lookout if a team is willing to say, you know what? He might be one of the best relievers in baseball. And maybe we'll just pick up the phone and call the Guardians to see what a price for him would be. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's nuts, especially because if the Guardians are, are looking to like replenish the farm a little bit, you know, they were looking to trade Shane Bieber. Now it looks like that that might not be an option because he's hurt. Class A can get you a haul because he signed an extension, which was five years, 20 million through 2026 with a team option for 2027 and 2028. So super cheap, under control. I mean, it's it's a it's a robbery of a deal if if he pitches anywhere near the level that he was previously pitching at, even if he was pitching at this level, like if he had a three, three, the entirety of the contract, you wouldn't be thrilled, but it wouldn't be a bad contract. Um, I, I think the price would have to be really steep, but I think if, if there's a team out there that really wants to, you know, hatch down the closing spot and for the guardians, if they feel like they can find another pitcher similar to class a, I, I could see it, but the price would be exorbitant with the contract structure. It would be, it would be one of the the biggest hauls I think we've seen for a closer in, in some time. I agree. I don't think it's going to happen, but I like talking about it. Don't take it too seriously, ladies and gentlemen, when you're listening. I'm just thinking yeah. with my galaxy brain. All we're doing is talking ball. And the second part of the galaxy brain, I just don't know what the Padres are going to do, but could Josh Hader be available? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think he I think he might be gone. I, I, I That's a guy that I think is relatively likely to be gone if they stink. And I mean, they've got a week to figure it out. He's going to be a free agent. I doubt he wants to stay there. Like, if I'm a free agent, and I don't know if if it's as bad as you know some of the stories we've seen, but you know it's not good there. I can promise you, it's not good in San Diego in the clubhouse. Like, it can't be great vibes right now. Like, I probably want to get out of there. Hater is going to sign probably one more contract and ride it out. I wouldn't want to do it there. So if you assume that that you're not going to be able to retain Hater, you already spent on some other relievers in the offseason. Just just trade him. You know, I, I do think that they can get better than a qualifying offer, which would be a, you know, a comp pick uh, for, for Josh Hader. I bet a lot of teams would line up for him. I, and, and I think that a return would probably be like a you can get a top 10 prospect and then a, a top 20 prospect in a system. 
I think, and maybe even a lottery ticket with that, like you can get a pretty good return. Um, I, I think he will absolutely be moved. And then Alex Lang, like I, I know he hasn't pitched that well, but you know, if you're taking him out of the ninth and putting him in the seventh or eighth, I think there's a lot of teams that would have interest in him. And I still think he could garner like a, a pretty decent, you know, mid-level return. Uh, that's another guy that I, I feel like just seems likely to be moved and, and some team will roll the dice on him. I feel like. Do you think a guy like Albert Alzali will be moved with the Cubs? I was he's looking so, at him. He's so young, and I just I really don't think that the Cubs will move him because I think you know they're building for the future, and I think he's a building block in that bullpen. But I'm just thinking about guys like your pick of Gregory Santos. Like I remember last season, I floated the possibility of the Reds trading Alexis Diaz, in the sense of what the kind of package they could get for him. Now they kept him. And now they're in playoff contention and they traded him for shit. No. Could be a very real possibility with the Cubs with Albert Alzali. Yeah. Now, I don't think Alzali is to the level of Alexis Diaz, but he's in that same sense, kind of with the Gregory Santos, just young, extremely good relievers that you don't want to part with. But I'm yeah. also thinking about guys that a lot of teams, if they did become available, may overpay for. So he's another guy, just kind of galaxy brain, like, could it happen? I was thinking about that because I was looking at him. I, I think they'd listen, but you know, it's a team that's trying to compete kind of soon. But then if you're, if you're trading Stroman, if you're trading, you know, Bellinger, then maybe you should move him. Uh, one last name too, that I think is, is kind of interesting. Oh my gosh. I just had it. And now I lost it. Um, Carlos Estevez. Hmm. Yeah. I think Estevez could go. Um, if the angels are faltering, 2190 RA. This guy's disgusting. I mean, the, yeah. the walks are a little bit of an issue, but I, I'd side with the stuff. And I think I think he can get out pretty, pretty, pretty effectively. He's still just 30. Uh, you have another year of control uh at you know pretty relatively cheap price at around like six million. Uh, I could see a lot of teams having interest in Estevez, uh, another former Rocky guard or uh, Rocky bullpen arm, which is just so funny that that's kind of turned into a factory. 21 saves this year. Like this guy's Getting them, getting it done in high leverage. Um, that's a guy I could definitely see teams lining up for. Do you think uh, potentially the greatest swingman of all time? Because he's technically a bullpen arm. Now he is apparently Nick Pavetta. Nick Pavetta has been, <laughs> yeah, they amazing. should cash in on that dude. He's been amazing for the Red Sox. Another six inning, two hit, thirteen K performance after an opener of Bernardino. And this has been happening. You look at his Savant page, and it's all red, and it's all hundredth percentile. He has looked amazing out of the bullpen, but for some reason, you put him in the first, and it's horrible. You just put yeah. him in the second and third, and he becomes Nolan Ryan. It's it, it was it, it was the record for most strikeouts out of the bullpen, right? It was amazing. Was, I don't think I anyone will sniff it. that. He was making the ace hitters who are already caught a minor league look like rookie complex league hitters. Yeah. Dude, like, it's wild. I don't know, because they need pitching so bad. But, like, if they don't believe <laughs> that Nick Pavetta is, like, whatever this version of Nick Pavetta is, they, they should absolutely consider moving him. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, Heim Bloom does like to sell high on those type of guys. I could see him selling high on Pavetta. Could it be at a more perfect time for Heim Bloom? Like, hey, look at Nick Pavetta. He could throw yeah. no hitters after your bullpen. All you got to do is yeah. start with an opener. Yeah, you, you went carry wood out there for six innings. Like, to, to cash in. I don't. I'm not buying this from Nick Pavetta. I'm just not. Like, there's no way. I. It's one of those baseball anomalies that I kind of do buy into. 
just like, like the, he's just going to be shit that. happens. Like he might just, just gonna... be the greatest swing man of all time. <laughs> it's so funny too, because like, even despite, like, I know he's like really lowered and improved in numbers. Like you just look at the, the, the numbers each year. He's just like never been good. Yeah. It's like a 602 ERA. It's a 477, a 538, a 689, a 453, a 456, a 444. But, but he has these starts. stretches. It's all stars. Yeah, and he has these stretches where he's insane. <laughs> it's just he's a mind-numbing pitcher for sure. Definitely a mind-numbing pitcher, but I could see him getting moved. He might be the best pitcher dealt at the deadline. That's how good he is out of the bullpen. <laughs> um, so another pitcher that may be dealt, um, and I decided to add this, because it's a very just interesting conversation. What does a package for Jack Flaherty of the St. Louis Cardinals look like? Asked by Mengel Ethan on Twitter. So Flaherty is cheap, right? He's making $5 million a year, and he's going to be a free agent. So this is a rental for a guy like Jack Flaherty. And he's a very confusing pitcher. He's, right? he's, he's, got, cut, from the, he's cut from the Pavetta cloth <laughs> right now. He's got ERA estimators in the mid to high fours, but he's got good stuff, but he, I feel like he never knows where it's going. Is it a, is it a, I think you could look at Jack Flaherty in so many different ways. Do you look at him as a 27 year old with a lot of upside because the stuff is good and you just need to get him away from Wilson Contreras because every (laughs) single time Wilson Contreras misses a frame, it looks like he's about to blow his gasket. Or do you view him as like, I've seen a lot of you already and like this might just be what you are and trading even a decent prospect for you as a rental is not going to make us any better. But then the upside guys are looking like, look at 2019, right? Yeah. Almost won the Cy Young. And then the downside is, yeah, but he's got a 12% walk rate and he has these horrible blow up starts where he doesn't even keep you in the games such a confusing guy and i have yeah. no idea what a return for him would be no it's, i really think with him dude i i do believe that it's just like how is the arm feeling that day um mm. i have no reason to like i don't that's totally a guess but we've seen how many injuries he's had and it's just there's some days where he's he had to start against the marlins he averaged 94.4 on the heater through 111 pitches and went six and two thirds of, of shutout ball. But then there's some games where he, he has those blow up starts where he's more 92, you know, the, the, the game where he gave up 10 earned runs, he averaged 92 miles per hour against the angels. That looked a lot worse. I do think when he's like, when the stuff's not totally there, when he feels that, then he starts nibbling. And then when he nibbles, that's where you see the walk rate kind of jump. I, I don't know if, if you can feel confident in 2019 Jack Flaherty ever coming back. But I think you can feel confident that this guy can give you a lot of quality starts to help get you to the promised land. My question is this, though, Peter. Do you trust Jack Flaherty starting a playoff game for you? No. If you're you're a team? No. No. I mean, no. I mean, playoff game? I mean, playoffs are a different beast, right? Yes. But at the same time, when we're talking about do I trust him to start a playoff game, he does feel like a Dodger, right? Dodgers just grab him for like a decent prospect. And yeah. yeah, he just goes three or four innings, and you're like, all we need is your 94. And maybe, you empty know, empty the tank. Empty yeah. the tank for that. That's what I feel like. Like maybe a Ray, he needs to go to a place 
that specializes in transforming pitchers, yeah. right? Because if he goes to a place where they're just going to say, hey, just get out there on the mound and keep doing you, I don't think it's going to work very well. But if he goes to some lab somewhere, I do think there's something in there. So I think yeah. the place for Jack Flaherty is super, super important here. What? Let's say, let's do a mock trade for the Dodgers. Yeah. So real real quick, the reason why I asked you about the 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 playoff side of things is I think that alters the return. Flaherty, I think, goes to a team to help get them to the playoffs and, yes. you know, with some momentum and, you know, just bolster your rotation and then be a good arm that you could plug and mop up duty in, in the playoffs. Or if you have to start him in emergency, like that's fine. Or one of those extra inning games where he ends up going five innings from the 10th to the 15th, something like that. But I think for the most part, it's, it's to bolster the rotation to get through the dog days. Exactly. That to me, knocks the return down because there's like a threshold of these rental pitchers. Do I trust them in a playoff game? Do I not trust them in a playoff game? And that like adjusts the return for me. I have a question for you. I mentioned that before. It's a great point. I have a question for you. Would you rather start Aaron Savali or Jack Flaherty in a playoff game? Oh my gosh. That's a mid off. Um, That's a great question. I would, I think Aaron Savali too. Me too. I would too. <laughs> good, good. I, mean, I didn't I know what the right obvious. answer was to that. Like, but honestly, so, you look at Savali's game logs, dude. It's like he's never given up more than four earned runs in a start, and he's pretty much a lock for like five innings, two runs, six innings, two, two to three runs. Like, I'll take that. Keeps you in the ball game. Like, I think that's all you game. need in the playoffs, right? Of course, there's going to be pretty damn good offenses once you get to the playoffs, and you're not relying on Aaron Savali to start game one, but game four in a pinch. Yeah, I mean, he's going to short keep leash in the game. That's the yeah. thing with Jack Flaherty. He could win you a playoff game. Or he could put you so far in the dirt that you have no chance yeah. of coming back. I would say the game could be over before you hit. <laughs> I, I can't I can't deal with that. But no. Jack Flaherty has more upside than Aaron Savali does because Aaron Savali doesn't have the stuff. He doesn't have the six-inning shutout in the playoff type performance that Jack Flaherty could give you. But I can lay my head on the pillow at night knowing, hey, all right, I have Aaron Savali. We got a chance to win this game. If we hit, we've got a shot. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So what would a package be for Jack Flaherty? What do you think? Let's think- let's just go to the Dodgers. And what prospect do you think that the Cardinals would want? Because you had a great tweet. John Mozeliak of the Cardinals comes out and said, our goal the deadline is to get pitching, pitching, pitching. I'll let you take it away because your take was <laughs> Yeah. I was just like, it's mind-blowing to me that the – one of the more accomplished executives in baseball, like it took him till July to realize that the Cardinals need pitching. Like that, that's crazy to me. Like I, I just that doesn't make sense. Um, I I could see like a Landon Knack being sent the other way. That's okay. probably the 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 best they're gonna do. Okay, and I think they'd be thrilled to get a Landon Knack. He's older on the prospect side; just turned twenty six. Actually, he's two days older than me. Um, but I think that's what they would get is like an older, but good pitching prospect that could probably fight for a spot in their rotation this coming, you know, th- their next season and probably get some innings at the end of this year. Uh, I think Landon acts like a perfect fit for them. And I don't think the Dodgers would care to move him. They need the 40 man spot anyways. And they've got all the other former Tulsa drillers that are just way better for Cardinals fans. Is Landon knack just another Gordon Graceffo or is Graceffo better? Oh, Graceffo's younger. I would say at this very moment, if I could pick one to win me a big league game, I think Landon Knack would. Okay. So I think Nat Knack has slightly better stuff. 
There you go. You get a Landon Knack for Jack Flaherty, Cardinals fans. You hyped? We hyped for this I, deadline, I Cardinals be, fans? I, I think they should be thrilled with that. <laughs> okay. I don't think they're thrilled. <laughs> I really don't think they're thrilled, but, you know, let us know. So, oh, this is a great question. This is a great question, Armlane. If not Shohei Otani, who will be the best pitcher and best hitter traded at the deadline? Asked by Kay Salcedo on Twitter. I got a couple Galaxy Brain picks. But before I get into the Galaxy Brain picks, what's your actual answer? Yeah. So I have a couple because there's like moving parts to it on the pitching side. I think, but with the way Blake Snell is pitching right now, he would technically be the best pitcher moved. Okay, that was my galaxy brain pick. Okay, so because that that, that yeah. that's the one I think is like the best pitcher moved, but the most valuable pitcher moved would be Dylan Cease for me because I still think they're going to do it or at least consider it. There's not one pitcher on this market that I can think of that comes with multiple years of control, other than like maybe Savali if they move him. I think he has one more, maybe two more after this. All the other guys are rentals. And if somebody like wants to pony up like the Orioles, why would the Orioles want a rental? I, like, like I get why, but if I'm the Orioles, I'd rather give up a little bit more or even a, a lot more and get a guy with multiple years of control instead of paying a bajillion dollars for Aaron Nolan free agency. I'd rather, you know, trade a couple prospects that I don't need in, in baseball's best farm system for Dylan Cease and then extend him at much cheaper than Aaron Nola would cost because that's the way it would be with two years leveraged. I think that the White Sox have to trade Dylan Cease. Yeah. And I think that's the most valuable player traded. Um, but I think the best pitcher is Blake Snell. The way he's throwing right now is, is insane. And the, and the Padres could probably get a haul. Like that's a guy that can win you. Like that guy could get the, the ball game one of the World Series if he's pitching like this. Like that that's how good he's been. And that's that's his upside. His downside is like, I'm not using him in the playoffs too. But the difference is we're seeing a lot more of that upside consistently now. In terms of the hitter's side, I think the best player that is actually moved is either Jaime Candelario or Lane Thomas from the National. That's Nationals. so boring. So boring. And those, those are the actual best hitters that I think are going to get traded. Candelario has been playing pretty good defense at third for the Nationals while also rocking a 121 WRC plus 21% better than a league average hitter. Then you look at Lane Thomas, 128 WRC plus hitting nearly 300 has been excellent offensively for Washington. You may not turn on the TV and watch many games, but Lane Thomas is keeping this team in games with his bat has been one of the better outfielders offensively in all of Major League Baseball and is still young. But those are boring picks. But yeah, they will make an impact for a team once traded. No doubt about it. They're good players. Hassan Kim? I don't think the Padres are going to trade him. I think who the Padres might trade is Juan Soto. That's I know it's crazy. I it, it And it doesn't make any sense. But what the fuck are the Padres going to do? They just made the biggest trade, arguably, in team sports history, trading away five incredible prospects for Juan Soto. And maybe they admit to themselves now that it was never our team. And they could still get a huge package for him. And what you know about A.J. Preller is he's an incredible scout. That he knows... That I think if he is now in charge of getting the prospects, 
he might be a little bit more excited this time. Uh, they he'd cook, he'd cook. I like cook. Prowers, Yeah, we're talking about that. I like Prowers, an unbelievable scout, and it's just like I know, man. You give up uh, an incredible haul like that, have him, you know, kind of play some of the worst baseball of his career, and then now he's been great. Obviously, he's been great this season. Not but, defensively. You know, like he's through most of the outfield. stretch as a Padre, it was like the worst stretch of his career. Yes. Um, and then trade him. Like that just is so painful. But I do think, like, are they gonna pay him at this point? I don't That's I don't, what I'm saying. What are they gonna know. give him five hundred million dollars, four hundred million dollars? It just doesn't seem likely. So then but what the hell wanna, are they gonna do? Do they wanna give it one more year next year and see how things go? And then give him the four hundred million dollar deal? Or I mean, or, how much money do they have? Right? Yeah, they give Machado a huge deal. We're talking about Blake Snell potentially being traded because they already extended Darvish. They already extended Musgrove. There's only so much money. And then you're going to give the most expensive deal in Major League history, outside of Otani, of course, to the one so yeah. again? You, you know what it reminds me of? is like, you know, when you're playing, uh, if you're playing blackjack certain tables, you can, like, surrender for half yeah. your bet. That's what I'm saying. Like, if, if the... If the if the dealer's showing an ace, you can surrender and get half of your bet back. Most of the time, I, I always say no to that. Yeah, but not even most of the time. I never say yes. Almost, yeah, all the time I say no to that. But like, I don't know. If you put your max bet on the table and you're showing a five and the dealer has an ace, are you considering taking your your surrendering and getting your your 50% back? What if it's not 50%? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What if it's 80%? Oh, then, then I'm doing it. But it. And it might be 80%, right? <sighs> Would it be? Do you, think, uh... do you think they're kicking themselves for this deal right now? Right? Do you think I, they are? I do. I do think they might Outside be. Outside of James Wood, like, who is who's the guy that they are just, oh, I cannot believe we traded him. I mean... James Wood is one. He's, yes, I would say another one. Juan Soto, Gore. Mackenzie Gore. I think they're you know they they definitely could use, but I mean C.J. Abrams has not been great. Uh, the other you know Je- Robert Hassel the third has been horrible in Double A, um, and then Harlan Susana is like fourteen years old. So <laughs> like throws a hundred, like no idea where it's going. Like, do you think Preller I- goes to management and says, "Hey guys, like it does seem like we're reflipping him." But at the same time, I believe in my scouting abilities, and I believe that we could recoup everything that we got from that deal, in my opinion. Now, the general opinion may be bad. The general opinion may be they didn't get those guys, but, but if Preller yeah, believes side- in himself as a scout, he yeah. could say that we're going to get some under-the-radar guys that the general community doesn't value as much as I do. Yeah. Just in me. And... I I I honestly think that if they can if Preller feels like he can get seventy cents on the dollar, they should they should rip it. They should do it. And I think they will. Why wouldn't they get seventy cents on the on the dollar? Think about what teams would be interested in a Juan Soto level package, right? It would still be three of your top five prospects and then some. Oh, a hundred percent. And think about the teams that would all be bidding against each other immediately. Exactly. You're, you're getting 
I mean, that's one that I even think the Rays would be in on to a degree. Like, and you, you, because he's so young, there's a lot of teams that may not be right now, you know, gunning for first place who still view that trade as really good long term, right? Because he's not a 30 year old rental. Like he's the Giants. Still, I mean, like the, the Giants. Giants could, they've been begging to spend money. I, I know that they won't trade in division. That's a hard one. But like, just an example, like they've been begging to spend money. There's a way that they can make a trade and then spend some money. Uh, I, obviously, the Yankees would be in on that. The the Rays would probably be in on that. I I could see the Astros surprising people and trying to get in on that, especially with you know, Jordan being banged up, Brantley looking like he's probably just not going to be a factor. Like, there's a lot of teams that could could get in on that. So yeah, I I, I think it's more likely. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's more likely than maybe people think. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, I'm not saying he's going to get traded. I'm just saying if we are talking about if the question is who could be the best hitter traded at the deadline. Juan Soto is the answer because technically he could be. We I could talk say, about this podcast about how valuable Lane Thomas is. Yeah. Or we could have a little fun. Yeah. Well, I would say, <laughs> I think it's more likely that Soto gets dealt than like Arenado or Goldschmidt in my opinion. Agreed. So that makes it fair enough of an answer. Make a prediction. Who do you think would trade for him? Because, I mean, you're in depth with all these, like. I think to the Yankees. I, I And I'm not just saying it because like, everyone always says the Yankees. Like, I want you to no. say that. <laughs> yeah. The Yankees. Because there's not a team that is a better fit for him, honestly. And, on, I mean, it does suck because then you'd have to figure out, like, the DH situation with Stanton and whatever. But I, you could stick him in, fuck, you could stick him in a corner out there and he's no. going to get by. Yeah. Stan's playing DH anyway at this he'd point. He'd hit 45 homers, I think, with that with that porch and right. And the Yankees have the prospect capital. Yeah, they, they do. They've got more than enough prospect capital. Uh, the Yankees, are, I think, are a perfect fit. What if I said, all right, we'll give you Jason Dominguez, Spencer Jones, Drew Thorpe, and more? Yeah. You think that gets it done? I think that's a great, a great start. I think that gets you most of the way there. And you can even, let's say, you don't want to trade Dominguez or Jones, right? You Pereira. want you, know, you could trade Pereira. You could trade Peraza. Yeah, you I could, would say Peraza they'd probably love. The Yankees have the ammo to do it. Yep. We'll see what happens. All right. Yep. This one is a really interesting one that I wanted to add, and it doesn't really have a lot to do with the deadline, but it, it is a conversation about the best young players in baseball. Who is going to be the next huge pre-arb contract? And what a pre-arb contract is, is that these teams haven't reached, or these players haven't reached official free agency, right? Arbitration, so it's it's in the same breath as a Corbin Carroll, right? If Corbin Carroll were to reach free agency, he could potentially be a $300 million player. He didn't sign for that much. Julio Rodriguez, same thing. It's like when these guys first come up and you say, you know what, right now, like a Wander Franco, we're going to sign you at 21 years old for less than what we think the market value will be when you're eventually free agent, but you're buying out years of arbitration, which are generally much cheaper just because they want to hedge themselves against the back end of the deals when you're going to be worth way more. So they're basically yeah. spreading it out for guys that they view as a huge part of the future of their team. So Juan yeah. Franco, Julio Rodriguez, Corbin Carroll, these guys come to mind. Who do you think yeah. is next? So the the exchange, almost the way I like to talk about it, like the exchange in terms of what a player is agreeing to and, and a team is agreeing to, you know, a player, there's not that much money guaranteed in your rookie contract, obviously. Uh, so 
I think for, for the player, he's guaranteeing himself a minimum of that hundred million or whatever it may be. And then for the team side, they're giving up, you know, they're giving up that money lump sum or guaranteeing you that money in exchange for the player, giving them more years of control on the back end. So, you know, I guarantee you money. You can, you know, feel a little bit more comfortable now, but you're going to hit free agency a little bit later for 99% of the guys. It's a no brainer. Uh, But there's certain players with certain agents that don't tend to do that. And I could see like Ellie De La Cruz would fit the mold, but Boris guy in Cincinnati, I don't think it happens. I, I think it's more likely a Gunnar Henderson type, but has Gunnar showed enough this year for them to do it? I honestly think, yeah, because yeah. he struggled mightily and then fought through it and has been really solid this year. And that almost makes me feel better about it. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this guy has already worked through it a little bit. Like this was kind of the sophomore slump. He played 34 games last year and then kind of just started slow this year. I think, I think I'd give it to Gunner and not really worry about it at all. I, th- that, that for me is probably my number one pre-arb guy that I think is a no-brainer. That's why I'd written down two. I had another name written down that I wanted your opinion on. Do you think the Astros would uh, give a pre-arb extension to Hunter Brown? That's a good one. I, I, I honestly think that's that's very possible, and it would be pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, and, and it seems like something that the Astros would do. They don't have a ton of pitching depth in the system. Might as well lock him up now, especially with the other guys that you have injured. And, you know, just – Brown, like you're hoping he'd be better than what he's doing this year, but you also have kind of still been great. He's still been really solid. Overall, and you overall. You could feel comfortable that he's going to be a really solid player. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a great one. There's it's crazy because there's really not, not as many guys as you think. That's why it's 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 uncommon because you have to show enough to have a team be that confident that they're willing to guarantee you a hundred million, but you also like have to be willing to give up a couple years of free agency. So if you're an incredible baseball player, it's got to really be worth it financially. Otherwise you want to hit free agency as soon as possible and get that $300 million deal. So, I mean, Kiebert Ruiz got one. Like I don't love that. I don't love that deal. Got one. Who else? Brian Hayes. Yeah. Brian Hayes got one. Honestly, it's probably too early but I wouldn't rule out Ezekiel Tovar just because he's so good defensively. He's looked a lot better offensively of late, and it's the Rockies. <laughs> That's one I could see. Maybe Josh Young. Yeah. Josh Young's one that I think makes a lot of sense. This is a team that's spending so much money in so many spots and probably isn't going to spend that much more <laughs> moving forward. Why not lock up your third baseman for a while at pretty cheap for a couple extra years? That's probably the last guy I can think of is is Josh Young with the way he's hitting. I feel pretty safe and confident that he's just going to continue to to be a an above average big league bat. One twenty four WRC plus nineteen homers. Like that guy's just going to hit. He's just going to hit. And for the Rangers, and now he's hitting third right against lefties. Against righties, it's normally Nathaniel Lowe and and Young's hitting in the five hole, but he's hitting third on one of the best offenses in baseball and the best offense I think in the American League. And he's playing good defense too. Yeah, he's a good defender. He's become a very good defender. Just feels like such a safe hitter. Him and Gunner kind of feel similar to me. Like, they're just going to hit forever. Like, yeah. I don't think they're going to ever be elite hitters. I don't think they're ever going to be the best hitters in baseball. But I think you're just going to clock in a 130 WRC plus from both of them with solid defense, and they're just going to be really good players for the next 10 years. Yep. 
And like that's, that's the guys you give those. Those deals are the to. guys the pre-arb deals to. So I had those three written down. It was Gunner, it was Josh Young, and it was Hunter Brown as guys who I feel confident enough to look at them and say, which is really tough. Like this is a really tough exercise because yep. there is oh. no guarantee in baseball. But those no. three, I was like, I feel the most confident that you're going to be at least above average players for ten years. I got one more for you. Yeah, give me Would name. You give Yuri Perez a Spencer Strider deal right now. I mean, how can you fucking not? He's so good. Mm. He's twenty. You give him the Spencer Strider deal, and he could, he'd still be able to hit free agency on his end by like twenty eight. Maybe like, this is stupid. Can I see like five more starts? <laughs> no, it's not stupid. It, <laughs> After he comes really back not. up, can I just see five more? That that I'm sorry. That's that's fine. That's it's fine. Because I'm already kind of sold, but I just I want him to come back down from the minor leagues right now, where he's kind of resting and they're just preserving his yeah, innings. See how he does. And I want to yeah. see him in like September in a playoff race. And if he throws well, all right, I'm good. Send it. He's in. that good. But yeah. if like he struggles, which he won't, I I, yeah. how, I don't really know how anybody hits him. He gets such incredible extension. It feels like guys are hitting from like he's handing it know, to the catcher. Yeah, you're playing Little League. Remember when it was 45-foot mounds? Yeah. Like, you're trying to yeah. hit that? Yeah, it just it seems impossible. Kind of like what Bailey Ober does. You're just you're trying to hit it for 45 feet. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. I, I would want to see a few more starts, but that's a candidate. I mean, that's that's as good of a candidate as they come, uh, when it, with, with especially for the team, too. I, the, the Marlins would love to do that. So our second to last question before we get to the, the all-disappointment team who are the most underrated players that may be traded at the, at the deadline that will have a bigger impact than people realize? So we talked about some of the best, right? In terms of pitchers, maybe Blake Snell, maybe Dylan Cease. In terms of offensive players, Candelario, Lane Thomas, potentially a Juan Soto. But who are some guys that we think could be dealt that are kind of shitty? But weirdly, if they go to a, the right place could end up making a bigger impact than the fans getting them would think that they could. I have a name. The you Mets, know first time. Yeah, the Mets should get rid of Tommy Pham. And I think Tommy Pham's kind of good. Tommy he's Pham has well. nine home runs, 10 stolen bases. He's got an 823 OPS. He's not striking out at all. He's walking a ton at 10%. Now, he's not a great defender. He's 35 years old. And when you get the alert that your team traded for Tommy Pham, I assume a lot of fans of teams are going to be like, that's what we did? Yeah. Tommy Pham, if we look at production this year, is one of the best hitters that could be available at the deadline. And it's not like really the Mets need him. And the Mets could potentially sell off some of those pieces and maybe buy, and maybe they don't sell him at the end of the day. But I think Tommy Pham, you inject him as like a fourth outfielder, even a starter. I think he could be really good. Like, right, we're talking about Lane Thomas and his 850 OPS or Hammer. Tommy Pham is like similar stats. And he's 35 and he's not exciting and he hit Jock Peterson in the face. But he's a good player. I would want Tommy Pham if, like, I'm the Yankees or I'm a contending team who needs a bat in the outfield. Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad one. I, that's a pretty good one, honestly. Because also, I think he's been a, a lefty killer this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, let me, so, let me pull up the splits because I think you're right, but I just want to quantify. Yeah, I, I, yeah eight- I'm not positive, so I would love to to know for sure because I think he is. 
I got him in front of me. So he's slashing 262, 354, 536 against left-handed pitching with an Jeez. 890 OPS. But it's not like he's a hole against righties. 278, 343, 437 with a 780 OPS. So it's just the power hasn't been there. But a higher batting average, he's walking at a similar clip, getting on base at a similar clip. Just the power hasn't been there. But if yeah. you got a 780 OPS against righties and an 890 OPS against lefties, who's not going to be a hole in the outfield? He's not going to be good. He's in the 22nd percentile of outs above average. But he's in the 70th percentile of arm strength, so maybe he can throw a guy out in a big moment. But he's going to hit. And he's going to be cheap. Right? He's not going to cost you, anything. You can mix and match with him, too. I mean, to go yeah. against a lefty there, like, that 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 works. Yeah, like, maybe even a team like the Brewers, who, like, kind of wants to contend. But doesn't want to give but up But doesn't want to pay. Who yeah. can't hit lefties at all. He'd be a perfect fit. That that helps a lot. Yeah. Helps a lot. It's a way to get better without doing, you know, anything crazy. And that's kind of what I was looking at here, too, is it's a funny one. But Trent Grisham. Um, from what I though. <laughs> yeah, but that's, the, but that's point. the point. Yeah. Last 45 games for Trent Grisham. 252, 353, 456, Bozo, 809 OPS. Okay, I take it back. No, I don't actually take it back because that seems like a Colby stat when he comes in. He's like, Alex Verdugo on Wednesdays at night. Oh, his barrel rate. Yeah, Yeah, his barrel rate on Wednesdays over the last three months. No, (laughs) but he's showing signs of life offensively. And he's great defensively. You know he can go get it with the best of them. I, I, I just don't. Like I was looking for an underrated guy, and I think this this market is so thin that a lot of the usual underrated guys are not underrated. Yeah. Like Heimer Candelario should be an underrated deadline guy, and he's like the guy. Yeah, so far, I think there's going to be some surprising moves. The guys that you know we weren't expecting to get moved that end up getting moved, but so far he's been like the guy. Um, I, I, would Tommy Edmond count in there, or is he too good? No, because he sucked this year. He's in okay, so that's an underrated one. I think yeah. a change of scenery for Tommy Edmond would help. Yeah. I think he had a 5-7 F4 last year. I could see the Cardinals moving him. They've got Mason Wynn knocking on the door. Um, and, and I think Wynn does everything Edmond does, but maybe even better. Maybe he's not as elite defensively yet, but he's got pretty special tools there. I could see Edmond getting moved and, and helping a team, though. Like, he, he can run. He can defend at multiple spots. We know that he can hit the baseball. Like, we've seen him do it. Um, but yeah, I do think Trent Grisham, like if he's a league average hitter, which he's been much better than over the last 50 games, you can, you can get a nice little jolt in center field and, you know, protect him from, from lefties and see what you got. But yeah, those are my two underrated guys. I know it's not the sexiest in the world. Just to add on to the Cardinals, because I have another guy who I want to talk about. Uh, Dylan Carlson's name has been floated a lot, and I know the Yankees have interest, but I know a lot of other teams would have interest too in a switch-hitting center fielder yeah. who's still 24 years old, who's hitting at above-average rate this season. His WRC Plus is in the 106 range, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 107. 107, my bad. That's on me. 107 WRC get Plus. Get better. Just get better, Peter. <sighs> he He might garner a decent package. I mean, because yeah. he does a lot of different stuff because he's not just a hitter. He's a switch hitter. He's an above average hitter this season and has proved to be so before and plays a really good center field. So if I'm a team, I would way rather have Dylan Carlson than Trent Grisham. But oh, Trent Grisham is a better answer for this question because we're talking about underrated players. It and was just on dirt. my mind 
when we're talking Dirt about the cheap. Cardinals. Dirt cheap. Yeah, no, Carlson I'm with you. Carl, Carlson will probably garner a nice return, a free agent in 2027. So you're getting three years of control. And also, this is another guy that, like, you can kind of lean on the he's not a finished product. He could keep getting better. He's 24, change of scenery, working with some new coaches. Maybe he unlocks a little bit more. And in the chance that he doesn't, okay, you still added a two six two seven f four outfielder who's a switch hitter you know that that's pretty pretty steady so like the worst case you got a really solid outfielder so i, I like carlson as an option too and i think they should move him honestly i, I do all right here's uh my pile of trash that isn't quite a pile of trash lance lynn i think could be impactful for a rotation and dare i say after. i'd rather have lance lynn than jack flaherty I think that's fair. I mean, we we're t- Jack and I were talking about this, not Flaherty McMullen, uh, that like, Lance Lynn punched out 16. Like he's capable of having these really special starts. Like he, he's had flashes even this year. I'd definitely rather have Lance Lynn. So Lance Lynn is doing something different. So what we know from 36 year old Lance Lynn, who's listed at six foot five, 270 pounds has been pitching for what seems like two decades. Yes is that he's stubborn, right? He comes at you with fastballs, cutters, and sinkers and says, here's the hard stuff, I dare you to hit it. But he's finally starting to show this slurve. And the slurve has been a pretty damn solid pitch. And in June, he had a 6-2 ADRA. He was not very good. But he started throwing it more in July, 12 and a third, four earned runs, like you said, 17 strikeouts. His expected ERA is 4.67. Sierra is much lower. He's rocking the highest strikeout rate since 2019, where he put up a 3.67 ERA. And the walks have been a little bit higher than you'd like. But there's nothing alarming in the data. But everybody looks at the 6.03 ERA and it's like, or 6.07, excuse me, and says, do we want him just a garbage bag pitcher? He's a guy who's been there and done that. He's been successful for a lot of his career. It's funny. Um, first season he started was 2015. Feels like Lancelin has been in the league for since 1948. Way, way longer than that. Way longer way, than that. Like, it's actually insane. I feel like he. It's also nuts. Like he's thrown 200 innings three different times, um, including in 2019 with Texas. The, he's kind of a, like, he's ele- kind of he's kind of a young thirty six technically. <laughs> yeah, in terms of of, of mileage, yeah, he's yeah. Young. he debuted kind of late. The underlying stats are better, as you said. I mean, eleven like punches to, to three walks, and I think if you this guy's gonna be getting burned by the long ball too. Twenty twenty yeah. percent home run to fly ball rate is nuts, and I don't know, you know, if it's because of all the fastballs or what it is, but it, with with a certain tweak or two. This guy could be better. This is another one that, you know, am I trusting him in a playoff start? Probably not. But am I leaning on him if I need a spot in my rotation field to help get me to to the you know postseason and help me from depleting my bullpen? Absolutely. And I think the team's going to pick him up for real cheap. And I think he's going to help. I really do. Let's build our all disappointment team. So this was asked on Instagram by Pate Kendall. P-E-Y-T Kendall on Instagram. So what we did, Arm and I got in the lab and looked up all the crap. So we have our catcher, first base, second base, shortstop, third base, right field, center field, left field, one starting pitcher, 
and one relief pitcher. We didn't feel like just building an entire rotation, a bench, a full bullpen. <laughs> we just went with some of the guys who we felt have been really disappointed. Got a manager in there. Yeah. And now we also have to remember, too, disappointing is relative. It's also based on our expectations yes, of that exactly. certain player. So there could be a guy you, the listener, were really high on and has fallen below that we maybe weren't as high on. Or a guy yeah. that we were way higher on that you're like, yeah, I didn't think he was that good. So he's not that disappointing to me. So it's all relative, right? Yep. So do you want to just go back and forth? Because I know that you built your team. I built mine. But we share some answers because there's just some clear and obvious guys. Yeah, I think I think we take turns at each position. So you you lead, lead the way and go by the position. I'll give my guy at that position. And if it's the same, then I'll just give you the retweet. Perfect. So at catcher, I went with Tyler Stevenson. So Tyler Stevenson of the Cincinnati Reds, 83 WRC plus, And by F4, he's been a negative player, negative 0.5 F4. Now, this was a guy in Tyler Stevenson that I, I felt like I was routinely arguing for as maybe a top 10 catcher in Major League Baseball. I always thought he was kind of a below average defender. And at the catching position, you really should be valuing defense over offense. And the more... You know, I learned about the game of baseball. The more I'm realizing that really is truly what you should be targeting as a catcher. What's more important, defense over offense. But I just thought that Tyler Stevenson's bat was so well above average in terms of the catching position that it was worth him being an average defender. The problem is he has been a terrible hitter. Yeah. And he's fallen below expectations defensively. So he was yep. a guy who I was really trying to push the narrative, really trying to push propaganda on him. And he's just been one of the worst catchers in Major League Baseball for a team that seems loaded at every other position. That's the frustrating part. the guy that's the worst. Mm -hmm. No, that's the frustrating part. If, if you're going to be a subpar defensive catcher, if you're a bat first catcher, you got to rake. And he's not rake. raking in one of the most hitter-friendly ballparks. I think that's 100% the most disappointing my guy to be to be different and also this is a guy that just you know had had a lot of prospect or i i was a little bit lower on him as a prospect but you know i still thought he'd be better than this is, is kiebert ruiz with the with the nationals he just signed an eight-year 50 million dollar deal pre-arb deal and just has been brutal this year i mean the offensively 83 wrc plus defensively he's really struggled negative 0.6 f4 i mean He's got plenty of time to, to keep getting better, but I, I thought he'd build off of last year and be solid. Like last year, he had a one seven F four as a rookie catcher. It's more than fine. Like keep building off of that. And he's taking a step back this year, both offensively and defensively. Moving over to first base is a guy I'm just, I'm just disappointed in because remember when we were saying, you know, Jose Abreu is, is going to heat up. So that's my answer. It's Jose Abreu. Yeah who currently Same. this year has a 77 WRC plus and a negative 0.7 F4. And we said, oh, like Abreu's going to heat up, right? After he put up a 661 OPS in a couple of games in March, then in April, 528 OPS, then in May, 533. And we're like, look, finally, look at June, 821 OPS. And maybe it's continuing a little bit. I know he's been a little bit better in July, over 49 at-bats. He's got a 737 OPS. Like disappointing post all-star break it's in 15 at bats right he's got a home run he's got five hits so maybe he is heating up but to this point jose Abreu was an mvp not so long ago 
And at yep. first base, you really need to hit a catcher. It's not as important, but at first base, you need to hit. And he's obviously a below average defender too. So he really, really needs to hit. And he just hasn't hit. So at this point at first base, he'd be our answer. Do I want it to change? Yes. Do I think it might by the end of the season? I'm still holding out hope. But as of right now, Jose Abreu has been the most disappointing first baseman. I could see him going off in the playoffs or you know something like that. But yeah, I mean, we, we thought he would go nuclear with the, the Crawford boxes and left, this lineup in, in Houston and, and you know, being able to just kind of slot right in and everyone's talking about who's the perfect fit. I, I think without a doubt, he, he's the most disappointing. I'm That's my same pick. Second base. I mean, I think it's arguable that this guy has been the MVP of the all disappointing team. Jeff McNeil has sucked for the <laughs> New York Mets. I mean, Aram, he hit 326 last year. He's hitting 248 this year. Jeff McNeil is an 88 WRC plus with a 0.6 F4. He's got three home runs, which I know he's never really a home run guy. He hit nine last year, but he's got three, right? He's not getting on base, and he's not hitting for any power. He just makes no impact with the bat. And he has been a below-average defender, right? In 2022, this guy was in the 95th percentile of outs above average. This year, 46th percentile. He went from one of the best defenders in the sport to an average defender, and his batting average has dropped nearly 100 points, which is where you get most of the value from Jeff McNeil. I mean, just a free fall. And another guy who just got an extension. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's a lot of guys that just got paid. And McNeil got, what, four years, 50 mil? He's been brutal. Um, brutal. I, I would go with McNeil as my pick, most likely. But I would also float Tommy Edmond in there just because when we were talking about top shortstops, we're like, yep. Colby was specifically campaigning for him. And, and I know that he wasn't alone, like 5'7", F4. I really liked while him. playing mostly second base. The defense was elite at shortstop. The bat looked like it was breaking through. If he's a 115 WRC plus, he's a 5F war guy. He's been a 90 WRC plus, and he has not really defended to the same level. I think Tommy Edmonds has been right there, but McNeil, I think, is the most disappointing. Yeah, what if I told you Paul DeYoung was going to be better than Tommy Edmond? Paul DeYoung yeah, could get what? traded at the deadline. Yeah, oh yeah, he's also going to get moved too, yeah. Yeah. Imagine, just baseball show. This is uh, February 23rd. Hot take. This is what we're starting with. Paul DeYoung is better than Tommy Edmond. Oh my God, they'd cancel the show. They'd cancel the show. Baseball sucks sometimes, but it's also the best. Uh, shortstop. Obvious one for me. Yeah. Uh, 45 WRs. To yeah. Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson, you, you know why. <laughs> 45 WRC plus. He's got a negative one more. Are you kidding me, Tim Anderson? It's, it's sad. It's it's genuinely sad. Like, I don't know if he's checked out or, or what it is, but it, it just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense at all. Tim Anderson went from one of my favorite players to unwatchable. Unwatchable. He's literally unwatchable. 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 Yeah. At third base, now technically he's played most of his games over there at third base. DJ LeMay, who of the New York Yankees, has been terrible. And this may be a sign that this is just what he is now. Because his bat speed almost seems non-existent. He's supposed to be this great utility player. And he still plays good defense, right? He's in the 79th percentile of outs above average at a bunch of different positions. But this guy is hitting 234, Arm. He's On a good base bench percentage bat. of 297. That's what he is. Yeah, another he's a good guy. Bench bat. Another guy who got paid. Yep. DJ LeMahieu has played 73 games at third. I mean, it's just so sad to look at this. In 2020, I know it was a 
COVID shortened season, he hit 364, 268 in 2021, 261 in 2022, 234 this year. OBP falling off a cliff. He's never really slugged anyway, but that's not why he bought him. But you definitely didn't buy him for a 668 OPS. Like if you take the name off the jersey and you're like, hey, I'll give you a guy who's in who's an above average defender who has a 668 OPS, would you take him? Yeah, I'd put put him right on the bench. And he's like, a guy making how much money is DJ LeMay? You making 15 mil? I think so. Yeah, I think it's about 15 AAV. Pretty he pretty so- gnarly. He Pretty gnarly. Just... It's exact. It's six years, ninety mil. That's fifteen AAV. I, I I think Lemayhew financially is is definitely one of those guys. I, I have to put Gene Segura there. Yeah, uh, as resident Marlins guy, but also just because he is so so bad, it's <laughs> crazy. He's been a little bit better of late. That's not saying much. He was he has like a fifty WRC plus. He also. Horrible signing by the Marlins. He he was saying that like part of the reason why it's been taking him, you know, not even to make an excuse, but he was just like, it, I was focused on defense for a while too because I'm not that comfortable at third base. Why'd you sign him to play third then? Negative one F war, a 56 WRC plus. He's improved defensively to be below average. And he sucks at hitting. 218, 280, 274 slash line. Like you signed a third baseman who's not a third baseman which is a premium offensive position. He can't defend there. And he's the worst offensive third baseman in the league. I think uh, he literally is the worst offensive third baseman in the league that has had at least 200 plate appearances. And there's no one close. And this is where the term disappointing is relative, right? Yankee fans are probably shouting, hey, Donaldson's been worse and he makes more money. It's my list. I thought Donaldson would suck. Yeah, we uh, we weren't <laughs> expecting shit from Donaldson. I, I didn't think DJ LeMahieu would hit 230 this year and have no impact offensively and be pretty good defensively. That's that's not what I thought would happen. Yeah. I thought Donaldson would suck because I think all Yankee fans thought he would suck. I don't think a lot of us were thinking DJ LeMahieu would be a bench bat. Maybe you did. And that's why it's my list. And again, it's my list. And um, in right field, arm. I mean, Starling Marte of the Mets. I mean, what, dude? What what happened? Double groin surgery happened. Double groin surgery happened, and and maybe that's that's a key. Whenever you see a guy who's got double groin surgery, fade him, fade him, dude. What's double. Funny? I didn't even know that that was a thing. Like double groin, that sounds horrible. His sprint speed's like thirtieth percentile. Uh, he's still swiping some bags, but I mean, he's got to be just physically cooked. I, cooked. I, I like. They should shut him down for the year. Let him get right for next year. It's it's been hard to watch because a Starling Marte without speed is not Starling Marte. Yeah, I mean he lives off being one of the most athletic players in the league, and he's still showing that on the base pass. Right, you see it in spurts, but it's just not consistent enough. He's got a six forty OPS last year. He had an eight fifteen. Talking about fall offs, very similar to Jeff McNeil. Yeah, right. Starling Marte is a zero WAR. He's been a replacement level player. So a guy you could just put in and put out and you won't notice much. Starling Marte. Yeah, that's sad. Hopefully he gets a little bit healthier and bounces back next year, but it's been tough to watch. My guy's MJ Melendez. Yeah. Just because I've always loved him as a prospect. And I don't know if it's getting acclimated to the outfield. I don't, I think it's more than that, obviously, but he's just struggled so much. You knew he was going to be subpar in the outfield, just being that he was always a catcher and he's going to have to get used to, to playing out there. But I didn't think he'd be 
so bad offensively. And and it's just been really rough for MJ Melendez pretty much since since he's been called up. And you know, I thought this year he'd at least build on it and and get a bit better. He had a 99 WRC plus last season as a rookie, 18 homers. You're like, okay, you know, I, I want to see more offensively, but you know, he's playing the outfield, he's learning, whatever. This year he's just been way worse. 74 WRC plus K rates jumped, walk rates dropped. It's it's just tough because this was a bat that was one of the best hitters in the minors for multiple years, both for power and hit for some average. He's been a really, really big disappointment in the outfield. Center field. So this guy, you know, I don't have big expectations for Miles Straw of the Cleveland Guardians. You expected he'd defend. I'd expect he'd defend, and that's the point. So in 2022, he was arguably baseball's best defensive center fielder, sitting in the 98th percentile, 24th percentile this season. It does not really get much worse. And then you add in the fact that he has a 72 WRC plus. He's got a 609 OPS. Like when I watch him, I'm like, you have so much speed. How are you not getting more infield hits? It's because it's every at bat he's grounding out yeah, to the second baseman or shortstop right to him. Yeah. It's actually, he hits some electric infield outfield. He, he's right to the defenders. Bungo guy. Yeah, Bungo guy. Yeah. He can't hit, and he's not even good defensively in center field. What is he then good at? I, he's got 10 bags. Like if Miles Straw isn't defending, what is he doing? It's just that's what it is. You know, I, I don't know what's happened to him, but I, I think that is incredibly disappointing because like that guy should at least be the, the defensive guy that you know, gives you some value. For me, it was you – know, I think Straw is – very good answer. Byron Buxton, I, I know yeah. that it's always injury related and he's been hurt all year. Um, but at some point, field. at some point, I mean, like he just, right? I know it's that just, wasn't a complete sentence. No, but, but I, everyone I, I, understands I think, through the through what no, I just said. It's like at this point, I mean, what are we going to do? Exactly. And you look at last year, banged up, you know, played only 92 games, but he gave you four war. He hit 28 homers. 30% K rate, but he was valuable. This year, he's just not valuable. He's swinging through pitches that he normally crushes. It's crushes. just weird to see. He's got 15 home runs, but 196 batting average. He's DHing now, too. And that's the other frustrating part is keep him healthy. Part of the value was the defense. They're DHing him to keep him healthy. And it just seems like his body's just never going to hold up, man. And, and it's really tough to see. I think he's the most disappointing because to me, this was the year where like the hope kind of just all. Like, yeah, got sucked out of me. I, last the last season and a half, I'm like, okay, maybe there's a part time role for Buxton where he plays 100 games, he goes nuclear in those 100 games, hits you 25 to 30 home runs, plays elite defense in center field, and you protect him. But now it's like, is this guy really ever going to even be able to play? And and I, I think the answer is closer to no. And I think that's why he's so disappointing for me. It's I'm I'm kind of giving up hope, which I hate to do because he's so fun and so special. Yeah, I don't think any of us are debating the overall talent when he's fully 100% healthy. But at this point, we're only seeing it in spurts. And we have no doubt this year. We have no doubt that if he, you know, somehow was 100% healthy, he's one of the most talented defenders I've ever seen when he's right. He has some of the best raw power from a guy of his stature that I've seen. But at the end of the day, you got to show up and you got to produce. And baseball is a marathon. 
And the best baseball players are the ones that can withstand this 162-game season, who play every day, right? Talked about Marcus Semien. He's missed like 11 games in six years. Yeah, That's a player I want. I don't want the Byron Buxton where, yeah, Byron Buxton at points looks way more talented than Semien. But every day I'm going to the ballpark if I'm the manager, if I'm Bruce Bochy. I got Marcus Semien, who's leading off every day and playing good defense. Don't have defense to think about second base. Don't have to think about it. I got to yeah. think. If I'm Rocco Baldelli, the manager of the Twins, I got to think about Byron Buxton every Bro, day as my they, head hits the pillow. Like, is he okay? Did he sneeze in his hotel yeah. room and now he's going to miss a week? And they had to trade for Michael A. Taylor like as part of it, too, because they wanted to protect him in the DH role. Like, it's just, it's just not, it's not fun for a manager, and there's no way. Left field, I might have to take an L here. I mean, was I the biggest Dalton Varsho guy of the offseason? I was obsessed with this guy. Yeah. Now he's got a 78 WRC plus at a 0.6 F4. He's not even playing great defense. Like, he's playing good defense. I mean, what the hell happened? This was was a guy who I was just like, you are just some bulldog who's going to hit home runs and play electric defense, get on base not that much, but you're going to provide value in so many different ways. You're going to steal all these different bases. He hasn't done anything. He's been terrible for the Blue Jays. He's just being over-aggressive. It's a new spot. He's went from Arizona to Toronto. It's definitely an adjustment moving to a different country. So I think he's going to be better in the second half, and I've seen it in spurts. But, I mean, holy shit, if you're a Blue Jays fan and you trade Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Scurriel Jr. Who and, and you're yeah. getting Dalton Varsho, like, you got to be, oh, damn it. But I uh, love the trade for the Blue no. Jays at the time. I, I still think it'll work out. But, you yeah, know, how has he yeah. not been disappointing, especially with the trade ramifications here? I, he's definitely one of the most disappointing. For me, it was Jerks and Profar just because, yeah. like. He's been the worst player in baseball. You go to Colorado. <laughs> you got to be able to hit there. He can't hit there. He's a horrible defender out there. No one wanted him in free agency. And then the Rockies are just like, all right, we'll take him. Um, <laughs> and he's just been brutal. Like, I, I didn't have many expectations, but he's been worse than that. So I'm going to put him there, too. Sorry, Blue Jays fans. I really liked Dalton Varsho. I really, really did. And I think he's going to turn it around. I do. But I'm not very confident in it. But I still do. Just because I need it for my <laughs> for people to Your trust brand. me moving forward. Yeah. Uh, at starting pitcher, I'm going to go with Jameson Tyone. Cubs fans, you just spent $68 million on a guy who has a 6.15 ERA. He had a 3.91 yeah. ERA for the Yankees last year. I remember Cubs fans. Like, um, I don't know if Cubs fans are delusional or not. <laughs> and the reason I say this is because, like, when I – no, I don't know how to put this correctly. I, I don't want to go after Cubs fans. I just remember so clearly – you know, I remember the, the specific videos that I make because I make hundreds of videos, and the ones that are the most hated each offseason. And the offseason before, it was when I said that I think Freddie Freeman is better than Vladdy. And all of Toronto filled up my DMs. When I said I don't like the Cubs pitching overall this year, and I really didn't like the Tyone signing, it was like I it, it was like I tore down the Wrigley off the fence. Yeah. So that's why I think Tyone has been incredibly disappointing because I think if you're a Cubs fan who shared that opinion, and then you're seeing what we're seeing now that's money that can be going to stroh exactly four years 68 million you got three years left of this guy yeah everything is ticked down and it's like some peripherals are telling us yeah he's more of a five-year a guy i mean okay 
That's supposed to be your two. Th- no, he's supposed to be your three in the rotation behind Steele and Stroman. He's arguably you can't keep pitching him because you're losing every game he pitches. Yeah. He just puts you out of and, ball games completely. And there's nothing you can do about it because he's you're stuck with him. No one's taking that contract on. Immediately. Immediately a bad contract. Yeah, that's that's gonna be a top disappointment. For me, it's it's kind of a different route. It's a young guy that I thought really had things click last year. It's Brady Singer. Yeah. He had a three two three ERA. He, you know, was really effective within the strike zone. He had the lowest walk rate of his career in 153 innings. And then this year he's been horrible. 570 RA, the peripherals aren't that much better. Uh, strikeouts per nine dropped, his walks per nine jumped. It's just been really disappointing watching Brady Singer with the Royals. I thought you'd kind of take that leap and and be one of the better young pitchers, uh, but he's one of the worst. And I apologize, Cubs fans. You're not all delusional. A lot of you are some of the smartest baseball fans. I'd say they're, they're some the of game. the they're some yeah. of the most knowledgeable, especially when it comes to the farm system in the game. I agree. And I also they they just want to see a good team, and I'd try to talk myself into Tyone too if I could. But I agree, and I'm I'm just an emotional guy. So when I get yelled at by a bunch of people in the same fan base, I'm like, all right, we're gonna see. Because when I have a bad take, y'all let me know. So when y'all come at me, I'm gonna let you know. It's the back and forth. That's all I'm saying. So I apologize to Cubs Nation. You're not delusional. Some of you are. Some of you in my DMs. Every fan base has their their. But every fan base does absolutely. I'm a Yankee fan. I'm well aware of some of the delusional morons that root for the Yankees. So Cubs fans, I want to apologize. I didn't mean it, but to some of you, I did mean it. All right, let's go to relievers. Uh, We got the same one. Yeah, we got the same one. I mean, it's so obvious. Astros fans, you made your first mistake. You gave Rafael Montero a three-year, thirty-four and a half million dollar deal. He's been arguably baseball's worst reliever to 6.58 ERA. Astros, we got you. You made one mistake. Yeah. Actually, you kind of signed Jose Abreu, another mistake. Yeah. Are they washed? Yeah, they're I cooked. This with the Astros, too. Um, you know, everyone's kind of discounting them in a way, and they've p- played art, like below expectations. They're coming off you know, a World Series win, and they're like two games back. They're so scary. But they did oh, make no, mistakes. No. They are not perfect. And we're sticking it to you, Astros fans. You are not perfect. Yeah, congrats. Congrats on finally making a mistake. I I don't like paying relievers, but who would have thought, you know, Montero would fall off like this. He looked, he looked so good last year. Disgusting, you know, on the, on the big stage too. Yeah. Uh, but this is kind of one of those classic World Series hangover. I'm going to pay the, the big reliever. And they did, and it's not looking great, but maybe he'll turn it around. Uh, but I think he's far and away with the contract and how bad he's been the most disappointing reliever this year. It's so funny, too, though, with the Astros, like Rafael Matero has been horrible. So they just put in Hector Neris, who has an ERA below two. Yep. Like, That's how it works. That's how it works over there. So that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. Hopefully you enjoyed the mailbag. Uh, Jack and I will be on the call tomorrow to do our X Factors for the American League. Actually, I'm not sure if it's going to be Jack and I. We'll talk about who's going to be on it. But tomorrow's episode will be X Factors for the American League. Again, best way to support the Just Baseball Show is not only to get some merch in the New merch. description. New merch. Go check it out, ladies and gentlemen. I'm rocking my Stick. hat. I'm always rocking my hat. Um. And on Spotify, rate and review five stars, whether that be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching this on YouTube, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and comment anything that you thought that we said that was idiotic or anything that you agreed with or just more stuff that you want us to talk about in future episodes. That's Aram. I'm Peter. And with that, thank you, everybody.